This is Mike Rice, Man U supporter. A drinking game suggestion. Big Sam makes a point. Graham makes it about fucking Arsenal. You're listening to the DU Football Show. You know, it's not wrong and it never gets old every time I hear it. Nah, you're right about that. Yeah. You, but you also get very fucking drunk. You're also wearing your uh, normal uh, pro Arsenal agenda shirt tonight, I see. Yes, sir. Got that on the drip shack, didn't you? I did get that on the drip shack. You should check it out. Hey, everybody. Let's start the show. Born in the land of Bowie, Maryland. Bred to be a fan of fucking Everton. Punch you in the eye and drink your rye. Sam Houston. Sam Houston? Arsenal fans have another Sam. Right A.A. the fucking Gooner Graham. Smoke of a lord. Look straight in shorts. Sam Grammy. Sam Graham. Hello and welcome to the DU Football Show, a completely biased recap of the English Premier League is told by two common American schmucks. I am your host, Sam Houston, and across the way from me is the Lance Bass boy band extraordinaire member, Mr. Samuel Graham with the coiffed hair. How you doing, Sammy? <laughs> I'm doing very well, thank you. And if you would, just please put these seeds in your pocket so when you die, sunflowers will grow. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> that right there, my friend, is the coldest woman on the planet. You do Fucking not want to fuck dope. with that lady. No. You do not want to fuck with what that What did John lady. Oliver say? She brought <laughs> seeds to a gunfight and fucking won? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> brought seeds to a gunfight and won. Fucking brilliant. <clears throat> oh, man, got to wet the old whistle here. Also, uh, famously, my step-aunt went on a date with Lance Bass, I think. Pretty no sure shit. it was Lance Bass. Yeah, in uh, high school because uh, he went to Bowie. Ah, uh, that's right. I remember that. He is, he yep. is a Bowie guy. Mm-hmm. So good. my stepmother's sister mm-hmm. was the same year as him, and they went on a date. Aw, Or maybe sweet. a year younger, but either way. Very sweet. Well, you look at the success. <laughs> well, like, you know. Fuck. Oh, How yeah. much money to miss out on there? Oh, well, now I know. Uh, well, now I know uh, what you're doing with the hair there. You know, inspired. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag inspired. That's right. That is absolutely correct. Well, today on the show we'll be doing a lot of things. One of which is me probably covering for his choking ass. Well, you know, we're recording at the DU Public House, <laughs> just outside the nation's capital. You can check us out on all podcast platforms. Please be sure to rate, subscribe, review, and share with a footballing friend. Should you want to chat with us, there is many ways that you can. Mr. Graham, tell the good people how they can get in touch. Absolutely. DUFootballShow at gmail.com to get in touch via email or at DUFootballShow on all of the respectable social medias. Uh, and we do respond to DMs, so hit us up. Yeah, love to hear from you guys. Uh, not not hearing enough from y'all. And uh, emails, questions about whiskey, all that good stuff, we love to fucking hear it. So please, please reach out. Let us know. Yeah, if you got problems going on in your life, we do like a angry auntie or whatever. The What are the old, those old columns called? In the newspaper where you write in issues and then the editor. I'm just letting you hang out to dry on this one. Okay, it's a common thing. I mean, I know what it is. I'm just not telling you. Okay, thanks, Dix. It's, it's Dear Abby. Yeah. Dear Abby. Yeah. All right, fine. Dear Angry Abby auntie, or, same thing. Or Ask Eloise. That was the other one. Yeah. I mean, sorry I didn't grow up in the 50s when that was popular. <laughs> Sam and myself both work in the wine and spirit industry and have a deep, passionate love for all things distilled spirits. So as the red-blooded Americans we are, we vow to have a drink in our hand throughout this show and every single show. 
Mr. Graham, we continue with whiskey without the E. Yes, <laughs> this we week. do. This week it is number 11. This is the Port Charlotte PAC uh, colon, right? 01-2011. Yep. Comes in at 112.2 proof, and it'll run you about $130. But again, as we've said with the list, expected to be a touch more expensive than that. Uh, this malt... Oh, I'm sorry. They rated it a 93, and your blurb this week comes from Jeff Jeffrey Lindenmuth. Uh, this malt professes to be heavily peated, quote-unquote, but fear not. Peat is but a single brush stroke on a much broader canvas. Scottish grain invokes honey nut Cheerios and warm porridge, while the peat suggests grilled vegetables and molten campfire marshmallow. There's briny smoke wafting from a beach bonfire. I thought it was more like a lake bonfire, but <laughs> I digress. Uh, girded by bright berry and cherry. Uh, fruit from the t- from time spent in red Bordeaux wine casks. <laughs> uh, fine oak tannins meet heaps of sweet vanilla on the finish. A captivating malt that seems to have it all. G-R-I-D-E-D, is that girded? Girded. I don't know that I know that word. <laughs> That's what hung me up there for a second. I said guard, and then I went back. I was like, I don't know. That's right. <coughs> and I actually have a pretty decent vocabulary. Uh, this desperately needed an ice cube. Yes, it did. Uh, very iodine-y um, Band-Aid or without the cube. Here, Mel, you wanted to try some with the cube? Here you go. I'll pass to you. Now that it does have ice to it, it's actually quite delicious. Yeah. Um, I don't get... The I get all the grainy stuff they're talking about, like the porridge and honey nut. the fruit. Uh, the fruit they're talking about, I do not agree with at all. Um... And and honestly, it's it's even for a what I would like to say a refined palate such as mine, and I would probably agree to yours as well. I it's it's just a lot of smoke. It's really peaty. Yeah, it's hard to find nuance beyond the smoke. That graininess up front hits you hard, yeah. but then it's iodine band aid and campfire, mm-hmm. and I really don't get the vanilla and marshmallow that he's talking about. I don't there. get any it's sweet just notes the smoke part. I get grain, I get smoke. I don't get any of the sweetness that he's talking about in there. Uh, it's which is fine, and that's that's what he got from it. That's his palate. That's great. But this, I, there is a place for this. I enjoy this. This yeah. is very good to me. I would like to have had it about a month ago, sitting by a fire when there was snow on the ground. Right. Uh, this would have been perfect for then. This is one of those houses, the Brooklady Port Charlotte stuff. One of theirs hits the list every single year. You will find one of these on the list. Every single year. Yeah. Always. Because they do a lot of, uh, like, kind of single farm stuff as well, which right. isn't very common. But it is very good. I, yeah. I am quite impressed with it. Would I do, you know, $140, $150 again for it? Probably not. No. There's others that are inexpensive that are of similar quality, maybe not as good, but close enough. If you're a Pete for fan. For saving 60 bucks, you know what I mean? You're a Pete fan. You'd really, really, you're really going to like this whiskey. Yeah, for um, sure. The uh, Bordeaux, the cask does take a little off the edge of it as far as like that alcoholic burn because it is coming in over 100 proof, right? Like yeah, 112. 112.2. Yeah. Doesn't drink 112, that's for sure. No, so definitely not. I think that, that that wine cask helps with that too. Uh, it's It's much like you, Sam. It's a lovely whiskey. It has its time and its place. And that time and place probably isn't right now. Yeah. So I'd probably have a very different opinion of this if it was, like you said, a month ago when it was snowing. I'd be like, oh, shit, this whiskey's awesome. 
it's not as band-aidy or iodiny as some of the more like affordable. Yeah. yeah, more affordable. But but also that hard big part of that was the wine barrel as well. I mean, you know, imparting its own kind of characteristics on it and taking away from some of that traditional that that we've become accustomed to. Yeah. Iodine and band-aid. Oh, although I would say I found that uh the Ardbeg five year from last year, the wee beastie, the little the five year old, I found that to actually be better to be honest with you hmm. well, this one doesn't have an age statement does it uh no I, I didn't i didn't read one no brook lottie tends to not like to put um it says very small eight years aged in oak cast distilled hmm. in 2011 so hmm. okay. yeah it's they don't tend to put it's a lot of the port shot like brook lottie stuff doesn't put a big huge uh age statement on it right they tend not to um all right what else should we do mr graham always remember to drink responsibly very good yeah. Right, cheersing with my uh, talking about we beast. There's a wee clink. Yeah, talking about uh, my uh, cheersing with my empty Malort glass that will soon be full for me. <laughs> but uh, it's a it's a Malort shot. I think I can handle this week. I, I'm okay drinking this one. Yeah. You know, typically we fly through the midweek makeups, but uh, damn, there were some great matches in the midweek. Yeah, no shit. Arsenal two, Wolverhampton one, Burnley one, Tottenham nil, Palace four, Watford one. Liverpool 6, Leeds United 0. The Wang is back in the lineup, and the Wang was active early, Sam. He put it right on our forehead, didn't he? Yeah, he, he did. <laughs> After about 10 minutes. I uh, got the old mushroom tip right to the forehead there. Um, it was it was a great game, though. Uh, the, he then um, actually missed a chance a couple of minutes later uh, that would have put them up 2-0, no, uh, maybe 14 minutes in. Um, and he missed it, and it allowed <coughs> us to kind of grow into the game. Yeah. And we never really looked back. They didn't have a huge amount of chances. They had some, but we were equal to all of those uh, all of those issues. And we had in a staggering twenty six shots, but only five of them were yeah. on target. I was gonna say key saves and tough defending. Lots of blocks. Lots of getting in the way of the yep. ball. Like that was what well, Wolves doing what Wolves does so far this season, which is odd considering Bruno Lage was kind of brought in to bring the offense, and he's turned this into a very defensive side. Yeah. Kind of playing to their strengths, though, I yeah, think, because I mean, he adapted to the, what he has in the lineup. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Especially when the likes of Triori, who obviously is now gone, but lost all of the things that we were praising him for last season, he can't do them anymore. Right, right. <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, For, for uh, Arsenal, though, really kind of grew into the match, didn't give up, didn't have the heads down. This is Arteta's first year. This team loses that game one nothing. Could be they they you know this was you know previous uh, uh, when they were what's the face or Emery they would have lost this match yeah. the end of Wenger's career they would have lost this match yeah. this is I think a team that's starting to understand their coach and understand who they are and they're starting to gain confidence and in the 80th minute it broke through they've already ruled um, removed a lot of the kind of dissension towards Arteta style and that kind of stuff <laughs> you know and those yeah. that are left are fighting for the shirt and fighting for their place and. Seem to believe and buy into the system. Yeah, agreed. Um, but yeah, you're right. 82 minutes in, uh, very smart turn from Nicola Pepe after a decent little interplay uh, on the wing there. Great turn, great finish, composed, calm. Uh, Arteta said after the match, called uh, Pepe called him about three o'clock in the morning. Uh, just welcomed uh, his son into the world. Oh, congrats! Uh, with his uh, wife, girlfriend, um, and. Uh, Basically, was like I'm. I would still want to. 
be a part of it today. I still want to be involved. I want right. to, I'm going to be there. Don't I don't need time off. Thank you. Gets the breakthrough immediately after the match when he was interviewed. Of course, dedicates the goal to his son, which is very sweet uh, as always. Or as we call that pulling an Archie. Yeah, right. Archie Archie's wife gives birth within an hour. I'm picking him up to bring him up to play a game. <laughs> he scores a hat trick, and then I take him back to the hospital. It's a madman. It was like, why don't you stay there with your son? He's like, well, what am I going to do? Yeah, he was like, it was his, was his third or fourth child. Uh, it was only his second. <laughs> it was number two in the first boy. <laughs> and he, Arch is such a weirdo. What would Carly have done? Beat my fucking ass. <laughs> oh, I yeah. didn't do this show for a month. <laughs> yeah. Let alone go play soccer. This actually generates some income, too. Not much. Yeah, but uh, big, big, <laughs> yeah. big three points. Uh, to talk about the uh, goal at the death. So, I think the dubious goals panel are a bunch of dicks. Just mm-hmm. give it to Lacazette. The man could use it, <laughs> to be quite <laughs> frank. Uh, I think the ball would have reached Saka anyway. Uh, but it's another great little piece of play. And, and just the work rate, the, the leadership that Lacazette shows and has shown since Aubameyang fell out of favor. Uh, a couple of months ago, has just been absolutely immense. Um, we wouldn't be on this run or in this position without him and what he does. And I see, you know, the very calm, cool-headed, rational people in Arsenal internet world, you know, are, of course, giving him his due respect for all of that. Are they really? Because I'm not paying attention to him. That's very sarcastic. Okay, I figured. Um, there being a bunch of dickheads about his scoring record, which... The, out of the last few goals that we've scored are direct results of runs that he made that opened up space for the people that scored that were absolutely thank, thankless. Right. Yeah. This, what he did here. So, the, Saka, uh, he still would have had to put it away, of course, but the ball was going to reach him. He was inside the six. Right. Jose Saka got a hand to it, ended up turning it into his own net. Unfortunate. But it was probably going to be a goal if he didn't try to do something. It's not an own goal that I'm sure he's sad about giving up. No, no. You know, it's like one of those defenders that, that slide in running towards their own goal during a counterattack when the keeper's already beaten. They turn it in. It was like, what else do you want me to do? The fucking guy's on my shoulder. Right. Like, I have to try to get something on it at least. Right. I have to try to get it. Right. Away. Or it's probably going to be a fucking goal. So, mm-hmm. so I don't, I don't think that his confidence or anything else is going to be upset by that. But uh, it, it was just, and the atmosphere in the stadium was immense. Um, and actually, everybody behind the team. Yeah. It was crazy. The funniest thing. Uh, what went on surrounding that substitution? I don't know. Did you see this? Mm-hmm. So apparently they changed their mind, I guess is the official statement. They changed their mind as to who they wanted to come on. Or, well, ra- come off, rather. So first it was Jimenez, then they changed it to Podence right after right. that. And um, But the referee was like, All right, you need to go off. And he was like, I'm not the one being substituted. And he was like, yeah, but you got to go, though. And go off over there. And he's like, I'm not off the field. Uh, let let that be the worst mistake the referees made this weekend. Oh, wait. No, it wasn't. It was funny. <laughs> they, they gave him a yellow, and I didn't see him rescind it. Wow. So. Uh, over here. We keep you awake. fucking me up, man. I don't, okay. Breathe. All right. Well, I'm Without trying. coughing. <clears throat> no, well, I'm going to keep coughing. Go ahead, call me out. Yeah. Fine. Okay, well, at least mine is something I can't control. Yours is you just not yawns, being Yawns, you can't engaged. control yawns. You can always kind of grit your teeth and yawn it out. You've, I do it all the time. I go, hmm. What? No. And yawn it out. Wait a second. And yawn it out. So you, you're still yawning. Yeah, but you have no idea I am. We're on video. What do you want me to do? 
be better. That's what I want you to do. <laughs> I'd like to say Spurs got Burnley because of the scoreline, but Burnley outshot him. Yeah, but they weren't very good. I think there was only one shot on target. One shot on target from Spurs. I think it was five shots on target oh, from maybe. Burnley. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just rereading it here, but yeah. only 34% of the ball. Mm. But it, it was a Ben Me header. So, yeah, they got Burnley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Nick Pope was the man of the match again. Definitely yep. got Burnley. Yep. Timely, very timely for uh, Burnley. They're getting the right wins at the right time right yep. now. That's for damn sure. They are looking back to them old selves, uh, <coughs> their old selves. That's for sure, not them old selves. <laughs> Heck, this this week, this week they beat Leicester. They move out of uh, the bottom half of the the, the bottom of the uh, relegation battle, and yep. uh, Everton slides in. Yep. Now they have Everton has games in hand and yada yada yada. But yeah, if Burnley can beat Leicester, they're out of eighteenth. Yep. They move into 17th, which is exactly where you want to be. Where you don't want to be is the bottom three spots, that's for sure. Absolutely. It becomes difficult to get yourself out of that once you're in it, you know. And you just you would hope that that Jesse Marsh now at Leeds and that Frank Lampard at Everton could keep their club, respective clubs from falling into that position. Yeah. Well, this one's completely out of Everton's control right now. This, you know, well, yeah, it's yeah, an yeah, extra no, game course. in hand. It's a makeup match. It's a game in hand. And you're playing FA Cup that week or – if they weren't playing FA Cup this week, they'd be playing one of their makeup games right now as well. Right. So yeah, it's you can only control what's in front of you. You know. Exactly. Uh, moving on to uh, Palace Watford, much tighter game than the than the scoreline would let on. It really first half was pretty tight, and it wasn't really till the end where Zaha gets a couple of goals and kind of pulls away. Yeah, but the the overall performance was intense from palace i mean yeah. they they were pretty on top of it um for real now possession stats were almost even i was looking at found this very interesting uh pretty much every stat on the card was even except for two very important ones the score and shots on target because uh, i think wolves only had one in this match Watford uh, or watford rather I always do that the uh i used to do that with their managers too all the time back in the day yep but they only they only manage one shot on target, and from Emmanuel Dennis being in such good form this season, um, you would have thought they would have tried to do a little bit better with that. But Palace seemed to have weathered that little hiccup they had in the middle of the year when they dropped three or four straight, yeah. and they're starting to pick up results again. Albeit, you know, they drew at the weekend. But yeah, don't look now; they're in eleventh place. They're yeah. just on the outside of the top ten. Exactly. One next result goes the right way for them. They're in the top ten. But this know? is what happens. What Watford didn't do was focus on Zaha. And, mm -hmm. you know, that second goal was absolutely brilliant. Cutting inside, opening his body up, right. shaping that far post, fantastic. Well, difference difference here between Burnley and Watford, right? Burnley found a way to get points in both matches. Watford only got points over the weekend right. and only won. And that's the difference between a team staying up and a team going down, yep. ultimately. Exactly. Um, Final match. Uh, Jesus Christ, complete domination from Liverpool. Yeah, so can we talk about these collectively with the weekend? Obviously, because of what ended up happening. We're going right into Leeds in the next segment, so that's going to be the first game we talk about in the next segment. So. All right, so you had two separate blitzes in this one, basically. Mm -hmm. You had a three-goal, 20-minute period in the first half. Uh, 15 minutes, Mo Salah uh, penalty. 30 minutes, Joel Matip. 35 minutes, Salah on the penalty again. Then in the 80th minute, you had Mane. 90th minute, Mane. And the 93rd minute, Van Dyke. So another, like, nine-minute stretch. Uh, or 10-minute stretch, rather, in the second half where they got all six bloody goals. Um, here's, one, here's a stat for you. 
Liverpool had five times more shots on target yeah. than Leeds had total shots. <laughs> 15 to three. Yeah. 15 to three. It's intense. Uh, so, and this makes, you know, add, adding in the Spurs result at the weekend, like I said, this is what uh, we talked about, 17 to two over their last four games. Mm-hmm. Well, this weekend, uh, I mean, this week, they lost 10 to nothing. 10 to fucking nothing. Yeah. Like, and I mean, we'll get into it in the next segment. And ultimately, it, it it cost a change at the top. That's for damn sure. Absolutely, but Liverpool were scintillating. It was it was an awesome performance from them. Uh, very subtle here, and nobody noticed it. Nobody probably noticed it, but uh, goal differential now has flipped. It is now in Liverpool's favor. So if this does come down to goal differential, if that's what it ultimately comes down to, Liverpool is now winning the league. Yeah, and they do play each other in April. Mm-hmm. And um, and Liverpool still has a game in hand. Right, Liverpool have a game in hand, which is why the result with you is so annoying. Well, I mean, it's a good thing. Good thing that uh, you know VIR is there to make sure that uh, City sees the uh, the league out. Let's take a look at the four clubs just above the relegation zone: Tottenham four, Leeds nil, Newcastle two, Brentford nil, Man City one, Everton nil. Like I just said, Leeds lost ten nothing this week. Bielsa's no longer the coach of Leeds. Boom. Well, this was another blitz. Ten minutes. Doherty scored on fifteen minutes. Kulusevski scored. Kane on twenty-seven minutes, and then Son got another one in the eighty-fifth. It was like they're fine for large stretches of the game, but they have this ten to twenty-minute period where they fucking suck. And they can't keep track of runners, and they can't clear the ball, and Meslier goes a little nutso, and then they're 3-0 down. Now what? It's like, fuck, now what do we do? Yeah, exactly. How are we supposed to come back from this? It, they got Jesse Marsh has to have a little bit of pragmatism to him. He has to figure out how to find a balance, because Bielsa only knew one way. And now that worked for players like Patrick Bamford for Calvin Phillips, but he hasn't had them for large stretches of the season. Right. They've both been injured a lot. But credit to him. He he got leads back in the cha- uh, back in the Premier League after a very very long absence. I start to really worry for Leeds here. So do I, because that that club's identity is so closely tied in to Bielsa, or at least currently. Yeah, you needed a more of a transition out of Bielsa, not just a hard That's stop. It. It's yeah. over. So Jesse Marsh is actually kind of similar style to Bielsa. Mm-hmm. But what I'm I don't, I'm not saying they need a, a full switch to to start playing like Newcastle under Steve Bruce where they just sat back, right? But they they need to find just a little bit of pragmatism, just to slow it down a touch here and there, just to be able to defend and and then build from that. Once they get a clean sheet, they should be able to roll that into a little bit of confidence and continue that moving. But the problem is, you know, w- with Bielsa, is that they only know how to play one way. There is no plan B because plan A is so good. Right. And they just pour forward and pour forward. And then teams like City, teams like Liverpool, teams like Spurs, when they feel like it, can exploit that space. Yep. And make you pay. And they did. Yeah. Um, Kane's ball to uh, Son. It was nasty. Yeah. So nasty. Yeah. Um, what do you think here? Do you think that Leeds can hold off the onslaught of Burnley improving Everton's game in hands 
Do you think they could be better than Brentford? Like, what do you what do you expect from Leeds the rest of the way? So I think a lot of it is going to come down to um, uh, uh, Leeds obviously have the squad to do it because they did it last season, right? So it's it's really going to come down to injuries. It's going to come down <laughs> to their grit and their determination and whether they believe they can get out of it. So, it, you know, it just it's going to be one of those situations where Jesse Marsh has to come in. He has to put his um, he has to put his his uh, arm around some players. Just say, hey, you're still a good footballer. Let's just t- tone it down a little bit. Let's see what happens. Yeah, exactly. Early red ultimately killed Brentford. Mm-hmm. I and you get that early red, and it just kind of it, it's over from there. Absolutely, it was. Um, Thomas Thomas Frank tried to. What did he try to do? Defend it. Sorry. <laughs> he tried to defend that and say it wasn't ascending off. And it was. Oh, yeah. Bad. He could have broke Matty Target's leg. Yeah, it was It was red. It's not even up for debate. He's honestly lucky Matty Target was able to continue on. Yeah. That was fucking horrendous. Uh, a rare sighting, Joel Linton goal. I was. That was my next thing I was going to bring up is both Joe Willick and Joe Linton. Well, Joe, comma, Linton by his government name. <laughs> Uh, both of them are really starting to find a system here with Eddie Howe. Yeah. And- Willick almost single-handedly kept Newcastle in the league last season. Ended the season, what, scoring eight and eight? Yeah, but when he came back and he was there with Bruce, it just didn't really, he wasn't really getting playing time. He didn't really seem to fit into the squad. Well, I think he got hurt for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and when he, they bought him this summer, like he started off okay. I think he scored like two in their first four games. But then just fell off a cliff. I think he got injured, and then it was found it hard to get back into the team for real. Right. Um, but now that he's had a run of games again, he's doing very, very well. And, you know, good on him. Everything. The one thing you can't say is that Steve Bruce taught him anything. No. <laughs> this no. was all Arsene Wenger, Unai Emery, and Arteta, and then Eddie Howe is now starting to rub the polish on. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, precisely. And, and turn him into a proper everyday, week-in, week-out footballer. Oh, and, uh, and you know, somebody like John Joe's pretty content to sit back and just pick passes and well, take, he can't the run anymore. and take the occasional shot from, like, you know, 35 yards out. But I'll say it again. That, that, that was the best motivational 40 million pounds ever spent because Bruno Guimaraes hasn't done shit yet. Yeah. But those two, specifically John Joe Shelby and Joe Willick, have been playing fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. War, war, got them going <laughs> yeah. right away. And uh, they now find themselves sitting in 14th place. Yeah. And you got to start thinking, they're probably safe. Oh, yeah, but easily. Probably safe. They're now easily safe. Yeah. Um, and then they're, we getting, gotta go, get, they're getting wins away from home. Get everything. Got to go back to um, the uh, question that uh, Keith had asked us uh, earlier in the year. Which you're right, Keith. We did uh, continue to say that we didn't think Newcastle was necessarily going down. But his question was: Is does out Eddie Howe deserve Manager of the Year shouts for fucking keeping this team up? It's possible. I think he does. I think he does. They were 20th fucking place. They were nowhere. They were going down. Oh yeah. They were Big dead time. man walking. You got to give them. And I mean, yes, a lot of fucking money helps. A lot of fucking a lot of, money. Um, helps. A lot of money helps a lot. But Still largely, make it work. well, largely the team that's on the field are not players that were purchased yet. Yeah. Besides Maddie Target and and well, even um, <laughs> Kieran Trippy is injured now. Yeah. So his first couple games, yeah, he was there to help out, but he broke his foot. Yeah. So he's not even out there. It's really Maddie Target's the only one that's actually playing that they purchased. That's Agreed. playing consistently. Agreed. Um. So 
it's Eddie Howe's system. They're finally buying into it. They're, you know, the they. You remember when we talked about the when Jose left Manchester United and Manchester United went on a tear under Ole to begin with. Mm-hmm. Was it fifteen straight unbeaten or whatever it was back then? And we made the joke and it was serious, semi-serious. Is it looked like they got let out of prison? Right. It looked like they got let out of prison and they went down Canton Square with no pants on. You know what I mean? Yep. They yep. were just letting it go all over the place. Just the Willie copters everywhere. That's right. And now. Newcastle's doing the same thing. I just want to point out, you have now said Matt Target's name more times in this episode than the entire time he played for Villa. They didn't do shit for them. I know. <laughs> He's played it very safe for them. Um, Moving on. Uh, Everton set forth a perfect game plan, and it was almost flawlessly executed. It took a redirect... And an off balance. That's so unlucky. I mean, it, it's the most unlucky goal in the world. We'll get to the end of the match in a second. But on its simplest form, what Everton did was instead of doing a back five, they did a midfield five. And they pressured City further up the pitch. And Lampard decided, we're going to out-tough your midfield. And it fucking worked. Yeah, they were... They broke up the play. They made it very uncomfortable for Manchester City, and they looked uncomfortable. Yeah. They weren't able to play there. And oftentimes, the couple of times we've seen City lose, like to Palace or whoever, it is overloading that midfield. It is being tougher than them mm-hmm. and putting them off their game. And yeah. Everton were, were perfect agents of chaos in that. They, they, had the they, better, they had the better opportunities the entire first half. They completely disrupted everything City wanted to do. And once they can't get a rhythm... You start seeing them creep up a little bit more. How oh, about well, maybe if I go help out Jao Cancelo or, you know, whoever. Um, uh, who's on the right for them? It well, it was Kyle, Laporte. It, wasn't Kyle, it, it was, was Laporte, Laporte for this Because Kyle Walker was injured. Um, but pushing up, I, I, I'm going to go get involved now. You know, I'm going to try to help out up there. And they just start straying out of position and straying out of position. And then all of a sudden, Richarlison's clean through. Yeah, counterattacks. Lots of counterattacks. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying that, that Everton were the better side. But I will say that Everton had the better chances. Everton deserved a, at least a point. Oh, absolutely. Minimum. They deserved at uh, least a point. Take take, a, take away the whole you know travesty that was the, the penalty and what followed all of it, which, again, we'll get to in a moment. It, it, took, it took a deflected ball and a defender being off balance because of the redirect and the keeper being off Wrong balance. Wrong-footed, yeah. If, any, if, if Keane is right-footed... The ball probably gets out. If Pickford is right-footed, he probably smothers the ball. Like, it was just, it was everything that could possibly go wrong in that one moment for Everton went wrong. Yeah. Like, it, it just, it. Was that at Murphy's Law? Yes. Yeah. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong, right? Let's Let's go to it because there's still a cloud of confusion around it. There's a bunch of misreporting on on the matter, at least here in the United States. I'm about to hear more of it because Richarlison was definitely offside. Yeah. I can't even say it with a straight face. Y- exactly, because, <laughs> okay, if Richarlison was offsides, every single time there's an offsides, we get that little red line and that little blue line, the straightaway shot, and the best NBC Sports could give us was a from-behind angle from the middle of the f- – from back at, like, around midfield – with a white line and some shadowing that even that didn't really necessarily look like he was on or off. Like, well, the angle was so fucked up. It didn't matter. So, so the ball comes through 
and Richarlison gets a shot off. Rebound comes out, takes a bounce. High right. rebound, yeah. yeah. Rodri's coming through to put his chest on the ball. Ball, when it bounces, swings away. Rodri brings out his arm in an unnatural position. Okay, that's important because... Yeah, I mean, it wasn't straight out to his side. It was like this, but it was out here like so. And it, <coughs> The top of the ball was here, if you can see what I'm doing, like this. Yeah. And the rest of the ball was here. Yeah, like literally an <laughs> inch of it was touching his jersey. Um, they then, That's so bad. Uh, first and foremost, ref doesn't blow the whistle and point to the spot, which, okay, maybe he didn't see it, which we will then get to. Again, we'll, we'll get to that as well. So maybe he doesn't see it. Everton literally just kind of puts around with the ball to forcibly make them look at VAR. They go to look at VAR, and it's just called not a handball. Up on the screen, it says checking for handball. VAR checking for handball. And then it says after two minutes, not a handball. Now, by the way, the center official, Paul Tierney, um, never asked to go look at the screen. I was about to say there's this thing on the sideline that's this big giant screen that you can look at it right in your face if you want to. Maybe Gabriel Jesus punched it. Remember like he did at the Copa. Yep, there you go. Could be it. Could be it. And then sat on the steps crying. And then told, not a handball. And the game just continues. Okay, so the game continues. Word well, the referee to- then blew the whistle yeah. and said somebody was offsides. Right. But Rodri played that second ball, so nobody could be offsides. Right. So the only offsides that could have happened would have been the Richarlison one. Right. Right? And that's what everybody assumed they were talking about. That's what NBC had reported. reports, oh, it must have been offsides. Then I saw Arlo White tweet afterwards that said, we've asked for clarification on this. The Premier League said there was no offside. Frank Lampard told it in his pre- Post presser walked up to Paul Tierney and said, Was that an offsides? Because if he tells me yes, there was an offsides, I know the handball's null and void and I've got nothing else to talk about. He looked me in the face and said, There was no offsides. Yeah. So, so now I'm left wondering how that's not a handball. And he jokingly said, He goes, My three year old daughter knows that that's a handball. I don't know if it was a joke. He said it kind of deadpan. Yeah. <laughs> he said it kind of deadpan, like. It, and, Which she does. <laughs> and and then, oh, by the way, that was apparently raging too. The Liverpool echo made it sound like he was screaming, which you watch the post-presser. He's not at all. He's so, just. I told you about that uh, Adam Rowe, <laughs> that um, Scouse comic I've been listening to a little yes, bit. Yes, yes. He uh, actually says that the Liverpool echo is run by wolves, and wolves are apparently people that claim they're from Liverpool that aren't, like Bowie does the DC. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Very good. So apparently the Liverpool Echo isn't written by true Scousers. That's a fucking crying shame. Uh, and you come to find out afterwards that, in fact, from from the FA and from the PGMLL, there was no check on offsides. That they ruled that ball, that handball, to not be clear and obvious. So, But there's the confusing part to me then. So why did he blow for offsides on the field at all? <laughs> right. In the first, well, it wasn't immediate, number one. But why did that end I up being? I think there was an offside when Everton was putzing around with the ball to try to get them to go to VAR. I think one of the players went offsides at that point. Okay. That, that whole thing's very strange. It's a little, it's a little ridiculous. I mean, there's pretty, unless, 
unless honestly, Rodri caught the ball or slapped it. The this is like the third most obvious handball there could possibly be. Well, a uh, couple. It's that, just a little ridiculous. Well, couple that with um, earlier in the season, City beats Wolves one nothing on a penalty, on a ball that hits a Wolves defender in his armpit. His arm was in the air, unnatural position, but it hit him in his armpit, which is all within the confines of the jersey area that is, quote-unquote, not a handball. Rodri, 97% of the ball is on his skin, which is a handball, and then the FA tries to say, that it didn't hit the area that wasn't a handball. Well, it's also that inch of the ball that was on top wasn't touching his sleeve. For because these... just think about how a sphere is shaped. Yeah, for the... it's bigger in the middle. Yeah. For the first time ever, Liverpool fans were supporting Everton fans, going, "Yeah, got screwed." Yeah. Why? Because they got screwed. Because that would have been then three points. Yep. And. Liverpool's game in hand could have made it dead even in the table. Well, it, it would have brought you all level. So that would, they would have dropped two. Not me all. No, 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 no. That, if you had scored, if they had called the penalty right. and you scored, would it would have, have been 1-1. One, one. Right. So they would have still picked up one point, so only dropped two. Right, so right, Liverpool right. would have only been one point behind with a game in hand. And an opportunity to go ahead. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's... Um, Fucking hell. I, I mean, these things matter, man. These are millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. These are the you're, potential to stay in the fucking league at stake. You're talking about a team trying On the to other stay side in the league. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. I know how upset it gets you. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> but it, uh, it's tough, man. I, I, he's, he's getting choked up. I'd love, I'd love to uh, do the bit and break out the documents because this screams break out the documents and all that kind of shit. It, this was just bad. I mean, this you know, is as you said on on, uh, on DUFC on the closed group. You don't even need the documents for this one. Oh it's no, just plain and fucking obvious. Well, well, the well, and also the tie into that too would be uh, uh, the official Chris Cavanaugh, who it has come out. Um, family members of his are city uh, season ticket holders, and uh, he is originally from Manchester City as well, Chris Cavanaugh. But uh, he screwed over Everton in the past uh, three years. Um, twice. I mean, four times. Twice from VAR and twice on the field. Yeah. He was the official on the pitch that ruled that Hugo Lloris earlier this season did not foul Richarlison because he got a pinky on the ball to knock it away. Uh, he was the ref on the field that uh, so brazenly told uh, Ancelotti, off you go, as he gave him a red card at the off end your, of the Off your pop. Off your pop at off, the end off of Off your pop. <laughs> He was the VAR official of this monstrosity, and he was the VAR official of the um, Gilfie Lane on the ground blocking the view of six foot four keeper David De Gea from seeing a ball at eye level go into the net. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, bad. So basically, Chris Cavanaugh is y'all Stuart Atwell. Yeah, pretty much. Like he is screwing us. So, He's um, responsible for four uh, red card. Hey, this is for this Malort, the boys played great. If you would have told me, Sam, like I, I posed this question to you when you had uh, faced Man City, and I'd said, "Hey, if you lose to him in a close one, are you satisfied before the match?" And you said, "Yeah, I would be." And then after, you're bitter because you got screwed over on a call. Well, 
same opinion. I, it's it's hard not to be satisfied with the way the boys played. I know this much. There's five teams worse than us. Two of them happen to be in front of us in the table right now. But there's five teams worse than us. And this team <laughs> plays like that. I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned at all. And Everton will see their way out of this perfectly fine. I hear you. Uh, to bring the mood back up a little bit, kind of, um, I think that youth two, City and Everton, who both have a Ukrainian player in their ranks, had probably the best show of support and respect in the entire league this weekend. That was pretty great, especially because City did it with the shirts at first. So City comes running out onto the pitch with the shirts that say, we stand with Ukraine, yada, yada, yada. No like, war. Yeah. No war, right? And Everton's like, wait, wait. Hold my beer. The whole every player comes out. They play the all safe siren. Of course, they do Zed cars, and every one of the members of Everton come running out of the uh, tunnel with a Ukrainian flag wrapped around their shoulders. Both sets of uh, uh, supporters had, you know, no war kind of big mm -hmm. signs, giant signs that had depictions of their Ukrainian players respectively yep. on uh, them. Yep. Um, they had Zichenko a little and uh, Myolenko. They had a, uh, a little embrace at midfield, and um, it almost looked like one of them. So I'm sure they were speaking their native tongue, but they might not have been because it looked like, uh, I think it was Zemchenko said, how's your mom, is what yeah. it looked like he said to um, uh, Myolenko. Hell, in some circumstances, uh, the last match that we'll talk about uh, in Oso with West Ham and Wolves, uh, Moyes granted um, Yarmolenko uh, grievance time, let him leave. Yeah. You know, it's... Well, there's there's Ukrainians from all over. Do you remember um, uh, Vitaly uh, Klitschko? Yep. He's a governor of uh, Lviv, I think. Mm-hmm. He's uh, depicted uh, standing over a gun, ready to, like, battle, yep. smoking a cigarette, <laughs> standing behind a mounted gun. The Ukrainian president, of course, what he said. There's also a coach. I can't remember his name, but he's a former Arsenal player, actually. Uh, didn't play terribly much for us, but was... Kind of a bit part player during the 2002. He came in 1999, and he was uh, part of the 2002 Arsenal double winning side. Uh, brief stint at Wolves, moved over um, back to the continent for a bit, a couple of clubs, but up and coming, kind of prom promising, rather, uh, Ukrainian coach. Paused his coaching badges and uh, basically flew home and picked up a weapon. Yep. Yep. You know, the Carly and I were talking about it the other day. My wife, uh, for those of you that don't know, um, there's some hard fuckers in Ukraine, yeah. man. <laughs> some hard-ass people. You know, that's all really amazing, and you know what it still doesn't top? A fucking old lady with a handful of fucking sunflower seeds. <laughs> Rounding out the rest of the league, and oh, so that happened. Southampton 2, Norwich 0, Palace 1, Burnley 1, Villa 2, Brighton 0, Man U 0, Watford 0, West Ham 1, Wolverhampton 0. <coughs> Saints are in ninth fucking place right now, Sam. I know, right? They're fucking weird. I, 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 this was a team, I mean, three months ago, we're wondering if Hassan Hoodle's got a hold of the squad. I mean, hell, Kenny even poked his head out of Narnia to go, dude, I don't know about Hassan Hoodle anymore. You know, I know. He said to me, I mean, he even texted me that he was waiting for another 9 0. Do they let texts come out of uh, out of uh, Narnia there, Sam? He didn't text me that. I just <laughs> needed a reason to say it. I'm contractually obliged to mention 9 0. <laughs> um, now I just do it to piss him the fuck off. I, it's, 
I expect them to show some fight, but I don't expect anything out of Norwich the rest of the way. As far as results, I there there could be a few results. This is rubs me very much like Sheffield last year. I think it's done and dusted for them. Yes, uh, very much so. Um, and Southampton were on it from the jump. I mean, Norwich had a couple of chances here and there from some counterattacks, but that was about it. It, it wasn't great. Yeah, and Southampton uh, very quietly can suddenly find themselves in the talk of the um, McDonald's Happy Meal uh, Europa. <laughs> everybody can uh, sing Kumbaya fucking league. The fucking McRib trophy. <laughs> the McRib <laughs> trophy. That's <laughs> uh, oh, funny. Um, I do want to mention, though, quickly uh, to uh, one honorable Mr. Zelensky of Ukraine. Uh, if you need to bolster your defenses at the northern border... Mm-hmm. Hire Oriol Romeo to just fire volleys yeah. into into Russia to stop their tanks. Because no that was shit. a fucking thunderbolt, mate. Yes, it was. Holy shit. He <laughs> literally almost ripped a hole in the back of the net. It yep. was fantastic, that strike. Um, Moving on, Palace, just unfortunate. Probably the better side, but Burnley finds a way to get a point because that's what fucking Burnley that's does. That's what Burnley does. That's exactly right. And Palace, <laughs> first line, Palace got Burnley. Uh. They had just about two-thirds of the ball, four shots on target to Burnley's one, and they drew 1-1. Uh, and um, it was from a Milivojevic own goal. Uh, uh, <laughs> the, the, that is the best Burnley performance ever. They don't score, yet somehow get a score and draw. Right. Um, it's, you know, for Palace, this is this is why you're 11th right now and not 10th. Yep. You're in the top 10 right now. You figure out a way to win that game. Absolutely. And, and I guarantee you that's what Vieira is probably saying to his boys is, like, at least, at least in this instance, you know with Palace as they're moving forward, you know that they're learning from this, and it's not just a, you know, this was Roy Boy last year with the uh, grandpa's club of a team he had. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, okay, well, hey, we got a point. We're staying up. Woohoo! Yay. Doesn't matter where we finish. If things start to sour with Arteta at some point in you the next couple of years, Vieira. I could see Vieira being Arsenal manager. I could also see... And I wouldn't be mad at it if City if City won uh, Champions League, if um, Arteta or Vieira, depending on how they're doing, like let's say Arteta gets, let let's say this year City wins Champions League, Pep goes, that's it, I'm done, and you get that, and you get Arsenal, Arteta gets Arsenal into Champions League. I would not be surprised if there's a phone call to Arteta to take over City. Well, Vieira, remember, too, right when he retired, he was their director of football there as yep. well. So he's got and That's a, why I also think he has a chance, too. He's got a link, yeah, for sure. I could see that happen. <laughs> I could see something like that happening. I could see either one of them. I, I, absolutely, I could see either one of them. And if Arteta was to go to City, I could see Vieira going to Arsenal. That's, that is in the future. That is absolutely in yep. the future. No doubt about it. Um, Villa. Great rebound performance. Uh, the Seagulls are still sliding. Somehow they're still in the top 10 because enough teams around them are losing points as well. You know, because let's face it, Villa's, until this win, has really been having a tough go of it. If they would have won games that they should have won, they'd probably be in the top 10 and ahead of Brighton right well, now. Well, the, the the new manager bounce has kind of <laughs> worn off a bit, which you expect, of course. But there's well, three or four pretty tricky results there in a row. But Brighton in this game, to be honest with you, Villa weren't particularly good. Yeah. But Brighton were quite wasteful. <laughs> they had over two-thirds of the ball. They had 12 shots, but just managed one of those on target. Right. I mean, you're not going to win a football match doing that. 
It's credit to the Villa defense also for keeping. Well, abs- absolutely. Off I mean, they got some blocks in. They got that kind of stuff. You're absolutely right. But at the same time, the way Brighton have been playing here or there, those those last two games especially, <laughs> you would have expected them. And the way Villa came into this game, you would have expected Brighton to give them a good go. Yeah. And they did until they hit the final third, and then there they was shit the bed. A stupid amount of red of uh, yellow cards in that game. It uh, got very chippy. Yeah. It got very nine. chippy. Yeah, there were nine, nine total, five on. Uh, Villa and uh, four on Brighton, um, and you know then Villa finds a way there at the end, gets that one last goal to go ahead and put it to bed. Um, one that was not chipping though, <laughs> Mel re- yellow card was uh, Matty Cash. <clears throat> oh yeah, what absolutely. a tremendous strike that was, number Woo. one. But uh, then he removes his shirt to reveal his. You know he he uh, is part Polish yes. and pledged his national team allegiance to Poland because mm-hmm. he can't get in front of Kyle Walker in the yep. England side. And right. one of his teammates is uh, in Ukraine, and so he was sending love to and support to friends and family. Yep. That's worth a yellow. But he removed his shirt, so yellow card. Yeah, yeah fuck it. I wish these things were approached with a little bit of... Nuance. Nuance. Context. You, you, rip your, you rip your shirt off in celebration and you're bare-chested and you're just going, Hulk smash. You should probably get a uh, yellow yeah, card. It's if not- you pull off a shirt with a message, probably should. So get now, a card. that being said, it, uh, po- political, religious, and two other things. I don't remember what they are. Personal slogans, like an advertisement kind of yeah, thing, um, and something else, are banned. Mm-hmm. Which, fine. You know, I mean, like, same thing. They did the, you know, uh, um, what's his name? The Italian guy, Coach Lazio, played for West Ham, Palo de Canio. Uh, would often get suspended for doing fascist salutes <laughs> to the fans after he yeah. scored because he was a supporter of like the Mussolini sort of <laughs> stuff. Not good. No, but um, tremendous footballer, terrible politician. Uh, <laughs> but he um, it, so I get that part, you know. And, and Europe and their religious and, and political backgrounds uh, all across Europe are quite, you know, frayed throughout history. So I get banning that stuff, but this was literally mm-hmm. hope you and the family are well, stay strong, bro. Yeah, written no, on a shirt. I'd, I'd like a little nuance to these things. Entirely unfair that there was a yellow card and no actual male nipple. Yeah, and brought up another good point. <laughs> Our boy Ken. Yeah, put something up in the group. I've seen it floating around before, never shared it, but he put something up. It was like I don't understand how footballers can get so like calm in their celebration, just like jog to the corner, put their hand to their ear, or whatever. He said, "I mm-hmm. fucking, you know, pants off, cock out, yeah, balls Nut, bouncing, nuts on. Hit, yeah, nuts hitting off the forehead of a supporter <laughs> as I leapfrog him into the stands." Yeah, yeah, very true, very very he, true. And he had the wherewithal to lift up his sports science bra. Yeah, even lifted up so, that. So they could see the whole see message. the whole message, yeah. yeah. Right. It has a little tracker in the back of it. little heart hands. Yeah. Um, Mel, Mel did uh, bring up one uh, kind of interesting point to me, and I uh, I think my answer to it was pretty good. I think you probably agree with this, Sam. She was like, um, Mings seems to be having an okay season, but not a great season. And I kind of said to her, I was like, he's having exactly the season you want him to have. Mm-hmm. He's doing really well for you. And makes just enough of mistakes and fuck ups that none of the big clubs are gonna want him. Exactly. He's I, doing exactly what you I want him to do. I love Mings. I love when he is up on somebody and they're getting pissed off and he just has that grin. Or when he comes over and got the guy's face and was like, get up, get up. And the ref gives him a yellow and he just has that grin. Ah. Yeah. 
I love mm. Mings he's, all day long. He's doing just well enough to stay right the fuck where he is. Yep. Which, which as as uh, uh, you know, a fan of your club, unless you are a fan of one of the richer clubs in the in the mm-hmm. uh, Prem, is exactly what you want from every one of your players. Be really good. Just not good enough to for have one of them want to buy go to City and sit on the bench. Yeah, e- exactly. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> or to go be ruined by Ralph Rangnick. <laughs> um, nice point for Watford, but Jesus Christ, what a bore. I know. Ugh. What a slog. It was so terrible. And Manchester United in this game, there's a lot of wasteful games this weekend. How many chances they have? Ronaldo at the post. I don't say, allow me to say ben the Foster f- made a couple of good saves, though. Allow me to say the following. Watford Football Club and Manchester United Football Club played in a professional match in the English Premier League this weekend. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's what it is. Just about, they did. (laughs) I I mean, honestly, United fans, for real, you're the wealthiest, most recognizable sports club in the world. The world. You're number one with a bullet. You're bigger than everyone. You're bigger than anything in the United States. You're bigger than anything around the world. Don't talk about worlds, worlds and bullets at the moment, please. You're, my apologies. <laughs> um, my slip, my apologies. But you you are the biggest sports club in the world. You're not on the verge of becoming bad. You're on the verge of becoming irrelevant. That's worse. At least, At least if you sucked, there's something you could be angry about. But you're going to be a team that finishes in fourth or fifth place and offers nothing. Well, Fucking nothing. If you count picking up points versus <laughs> losing games, right, as form, so wins and draws are good things, losing's bad, right, at mm-hmm. the bare bones. Manchester United are actually f- the form team of the teams going for the top four positions. They haven't lost since mid-November. But I did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> I It's been so quiet, so boring, <laughs> so toxic, so shit out of them that until the announcer said that they hadn't lost in like 13 games. Ton of draws. Ton of draws. boatload of draws. That's what I'm saying. It's been so just bleh. Just, just meh. I mean, it's like a, like a, like a therp. You it, burp and a little throat comes up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just Bur- like I call it a verp, a vomit burp. Yeah, it's just like meh. Yeah, it's just like it, it's not full out throw up. It doesn't suck. You can't get mad at it, but it obviously it's done not a good look that it happened. Legitimately <laughs> on the verge of irrelevance. <laughs> I don't know why that was the first thing that came to mind. Flat out on the verge of irrelevance, which is worse. Especially yeah, the especially to sports brand in the world. Yeah, that is worse. Into into those those supporters, those fans, those really logical, sane, calm people, I'm sure becoming irrelevant and ignored is exactly what they want as a fan base. But it's what they're becoming. It's the reason why they're pulling this shit of trying to make the Super League and stuff like that. Because the way football is going, they're not going to keep up with it at this rate. They aren't. They can spend all the money, (coughs) all the money in the world. It's not going to help. It's not going to fucking help. No, especially when their supporters are storming the Capitol. I mean, Old Trafford. <laughs> Big three points for the Irons, man. That was a, I mean, not particularly a great match it's to a watch. Terrible fucking game. But man, that's that is a team right there with you, battling for European positions, and you got the win at home. That's that's really big. Yeah, it is absolutely. But the whole game smacked of both teams trying not to lose. 
Mm-hmm. This was like that Seinfeld bit where he said the uh, if the horses knew that if they tripped and fell over and broke their ankle during the race that uh, and then they'd get shot, that there'd be some mighty fine stepping going down the home stretch. Oh, hell yeah. Hell <laughs> he yeah. He said they would round that last corner and be like, it's fine. Everybody calm down. You finish first. I'll finish whatever. Yeah, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. We're good. This was just both teams trying not to lose, and West Ham happened to nick a goal. Now, they did uh, Thomas Suchek's birthday, though, as mm-hmm. well, was when they they did it. Um, but oh. they had, they you know, they started to turn the screw a bit, and, and, and Wolves just couldn't seem to get out of their own way. The Wang did try to slip it in. It went just past the post, but the Wang did try to slip it in there nice and quick. It just got it in the sheets? Yeah. Is that just, it? Just, just, just. Um, <laughs> for Wolves... Um, That's a shame. Poor kid. Four, four <laughs> Wolves and a, and a Wolves supporters. It's weird because you're so close, right? But let's also not forget... <laughs> the wing's so close. The wing is so close. He's but, about to burst forward. <laughs> but let us not forget, though, that <laughs> the you, com- you change the head coach, you're changing your philosophy as a team and your style as a team... And you also, you know, you end up getting rid of one of your, quote, talented players, like the, a player that was supposed to be a part of your pitcher yeah. moving forward. <coughs> well, I think they knew they were starting to get healthy, too. Pedence yeah. was coming back. They, they, yeah. And they there. all offered more in general than Triore did, <coughs> which is why Triore would kind of be a super sub this right. season uh, before everyone got hurt. So, for me... I feel like for if I was a Wolves supporter, while I want Europe, being just outside of, of Europe this year might not be a bad thing because you look at the greater picture. You could still sell the project. The project's moving forward at exactly the rate it needs to be moving mm-hmm. at, and now all you need to do is go find the little pieces to help tweak and make it better. Well, it's moving forward at, at, at a rate that is sustainable growth. How many times do we talk about our jobs? Right. And brands want instant fucking success, and then they get ignored three months later. Right. There's no organic growth anymore. People don't do that. Wolves seem to have that kind of organic growth, and in, in, in we're seeing it play out in real time for a change. And I think they're going to be here to stay in the Premier League for a while. You know, the, uh, Somewhere between the Europa League and mid-table. <laughs> you know, Europa League in 11th place every season for the next 10 years. You know... Organic growth from the Wang, good. A rager from the Wang, not so good. Sure money. All right, it is sure money, ladies and gentlemen. This is the part of the show where we give you our bets to help better inform you on making bets for yourself, and they're guaranteed to win. Yeah, they you are. Can't sense the uh, sense the irony in my voice. That is your fucking problem. We are not responsible for anything that you do or bad choices you make. Saturday, Saturday. <laughs> so, I'm now down a thousand and seven dollars. Yeah, just creeping over into the quadruple digits. Only not, a matter of time before you're selling a mattress. Not a great look. Love it. Not a great look. But um, I'm gonna save mine for the end there, Sammy. Why don't you tell us what you have this week? Uh, picked the winner, but I picked under, and it was way over. <laughs> so, um, that's what I got here written down for my couple losers. Got the winner, but way too many goals. So, put that into the old cup of losers. I am down $875. Big Sam's Lock of the Week. 
21.428571% of the time, Mr. Graham. It works 100% of the time. Going to go ahead and take your boys again. Taking Arsenal to beat Watford and over two and a half goals total. Okay. At uh, plus 146. Nice and simple. Just keep chipping away at the lead. That's not bad. Yeah, that's all I'm... Right now, I just want to get back to get back to even just nice and simple chip away at it i hear you all right that's actually sensible for me for a change that might be sure money i mean my my this sense- is supposed to be an ironic bit <laughs> i've been sensible all season <clears throat> unlike you i and may not be still able to down eight hundred dollars i may not be able to breathe but i've at least been sensible all season yeah so our uh, our friend pat also makes picks if you haven't seen the show before he's a little under the weather tonight so he did send me an email so i have and now it's time for our degenerate gambling friend, Pat's Pick of the Week. Some people call it production. I call it natural because me and Mel got it going on. Pat says, and I quote, had my first loss in a couple of weeks, but I'm still up $676. So this week I got a good two-game parlay that involves a couple of draws. First, I'm going to take a draw in the Burnley-Chelsea game, plus 320, and a draw in the Manchester City-Manchester United game at plus 400. On a $76 bet, probably because he wants to keep it even uh when the payout comes that pays out fifteen hundred and twenty dollars that's a big boy uh we have some good weeks of gambling ahead of us uh the next couple of weeks and i'm looking forward to it you all have a great week and we will talk later end quote thanks pat hope you feel better buddy yeah i believe it was uh, a little wisdom teeth taken out oh he's having some good dreams yeah 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 the the generic vicodin (coughs) Fuck I was, yeah. <laughs> I was kind of hoping kind of hoping he would have been uh, able to join us just cuz he would have been all hopped up. We could have fucked with him. That'd oh yeah. Really good. So that's I'm not a fan of drugs. Really? <laughs> At all? Don't mind weed and stuff, but the other other ones are bad. Like pills. Um, when I got my wisdom teeth out, I had some of the most <laughs> vivid dreams I've ever had in my life. And uh I quickly handed those I was young when I had mine taken out. I quickly handed that pill. That's about the third day I was like, "Take these, ma. Don't give them back." Um, I believe it was uh, David Duchovny's character, Hank, in uh, Californication that very famously said, Vicodin, I like it in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. All right. As I said, I'm down $1,007, so I'm one. Um, I'm the number one 007, if you will. That's how I like to think of it. Stay uh-huh. positive. Um, my cup of losers, ladies and gents, uh, says, one day I'll get past the first hurdle. Yeah, one day. Because I keep tripping on that one, which is really fucking annoying. Let's say you missed a couple though there, didn't you, this week? Yeah, but it was out after round one. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had Tottenham beating Burnley, remember? Yes, you did. Yes, I did. So, and really, I'm happy about losing it. All right, so it's time to get crazy. All right, go if for I it. If I wasn't crazy enough already. Uh, Chelsea over Burnley, Newcastle over... Oh, it was over- a sensible bet. Yep. Chelsea over Burnley... Newcastle over Brighton, Liverpool over West Ham, and Arsenal over Watford, and City over United in a parlay of one, two, three, four, five games, plus 926. There we go. And they all should happen. There we go. On paper, they should all happen. All right, which means one of them won't. Yep, of course. Likely the first one. Right. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. Very good. Well, that was a pretty decent segment. It was all right. But we strive, we strive to give you more. We give you Kitty the Chicken. Well, K. 
Kenny missed on her draw and sits at 13 and 10. Now, as I walked up to the coop to visit Kitty, I was greeted by Henrietta, who informed me that Kitty has chosen to travel the world for a bit as she needs some time for herself. Well, you know, some chickens do need a little time to reflect. I guess she's put in for vacation. I never got the request. I didn't either. Well, I walked back to the house, uh, shocked, frankly, and my phone notified me of an email. I opened it, and I found a virtual postcard from Kitty, and apparently she's in Norway. No shit, in Norway, huh? Yeah, something about the spas. I don't know. Okay. Uh, But in her note, she mentioned uh, that Guy was right. There are lots of Liverpool fans here. (laughs) Go figure. And so because of that, Kitty is picking Liverpool to beat West Ham. There we go. How about that? Let me tell you something. Kitty doesn't request time off because Kitty runs the fucking show. I know. Okay? Kitty runs the goddamn world. I know. Henrietta says we probably shouldn't expect her back until May. Maybe Memorial Day weekend she'll be back. Okay. But we'll get updates from her every week. And uh, I don't think Kitty needs me to remind you all, but I will do it myself. Please remember to gamble legally and responsibly. Championship Corner! I've fallen, and I can't get up. Oh, no. With with uh, Kitty and her lifestyle, though, I half expect you to say she fell down a K-hole. <laughs> I heard K-hole. To be completely honest, because she fucking runs amok half yeah. the time with old Jamie Vardy. She might be out raving. Who knows? We'll find out. <laughs> that is exactly right, and I've almost filled sufficiently enough to find what happened in the championship. Oh, he's <laughs> trying. <laughs> All right. Uh, Blackburn in a playoff uh, crucial game here. Blackburn topped QPR 1-0. Bournemouth beat Stoke 2-1. Barnsley over Middlesbrough 3-2. Huddersfield also won 2-0. So it's all tightening up there in the uh, in the playoff spots. Blackpool over Reading 4-1. Fulham showing they can get it done ugly. 1-0 over Cardiff to Nicely remain top done. of the league. Yeah. Now, did you hear the audio? And we will have to find it somewhere. Maybe play a little bit on injury time. Um, the You know every club has a live stream? Yeah, of course. They have their own commentators for the live stream that they employ? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Fulham commentators got in a fight with a Cardiff fan who was sitting behind him. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. <laughs> on air. You can hear the whole thing. Fucking It fabulous. was pretty fucking funny. Um <coughs> Coventry and Preston drew 1-1, which is uh, sucks for, for Coventry. And then Luton took out Darby 1-0, which sucks because Reading lost and was a great opportunity for Darby to pick up three points, uh, three points on him. So uh, Nottingham Forest also 2-0 over Bristol, uh, Bristol City. And the posh, it gets wor- uh, worse for as 3-0. Um, they lost to Hull. And then today, Swansea beat West Brom 2-0, so they continue their slide. And hiring Steve Bruce may have seemed to be a bad idea. Um, shocker. Who hiring could have, Steve Bruce. Who could have thunk it? Uh, so that leaves Fulham top of the table on 70 points, nine points clear of Bournemouth. However, Bournemouth do have two games in hand. Huddersfield, though, on 35 games. So they've played four more than Bournemouth. Yeah, they've played their And backs. they've played two more than Fulham. So that's going to be trouble. Everyone below them has played, all the way down to 12th, has played less games than they have. Uh, Huddersfield are on 59 points. Blackburn on 57. QPR on 56 in fifth place. Luton rounds out the playoff places now on 54. But Sheffield United are back up to seventh place on 53, having played the same number of games as Luton. 
Middlesbrough still in with a shout on 52. Nottingham Forest now putting themselves in the conversation on 51 points in ninth place. Coventry in 10th, tied uh, on points with Forest, but uh, seven less goals in goal differential. Millwall actually is starting to climb the table a bit. They are in 11th on 49, so there can be a conversation to be had. But Millwall's not coming. They will, and they're not coming in the Premier League. We can only sustain one racist (coughs) club in the Premier League at a time, and it's Chelsea. Yes. We've put all our money behind Chelsea. Chelsea are the ones, even though they're half invading another country, Chelsea are the racists we, we keep. There are racists. We don't need the outside racists. Apparently, he's procuring peace. Who? The uh, oh Abramovich. The, yeah. So here's another interesting thing. <laughs> Roman Abramovich transferred the stewardship of Chelsea Football Club to the Chelsea Charitable Foundation. What the board of trustees? One of that board of trustees, one of those members, is Emma Hayes, Chelsea women's coach. Also, uh, somebody else. That runs something within the club that's not has anything to do with the first team. I can't remember who it is. Heard. Doesn't matter. But I think it's asset protection, one, for Abramovich, because I don't know what the legal term of stewardship means in <coughs> English law and finance law. Right. But it's being talked about that Putin and his inner circle, and Putin is, is uh, Abramovich rather, is known to have, now he's denied links with the Kremlin, but he's a former governor of uh, an area of Russia, and he was part of when the Soviet Union broke up and they were selling all that extra government shit off at dirt cheap prices to make boatloads of money on. Mm-hmm. He was one of the people that benefited greatly from that. Yeah. Uh, and that's where he made all of his money. He's only 55 years old, multi-billionaire. Right. Um, still, uh, well, until Jeff Bezos had the <laughs> richest divorce in history, mm-hmm. uh, where I think his wife got $13.2 billion or right. something like that. Uh, anyway, not the point. We all know that he has ties to Putin. Everyone knows that it's it's the most it's the worst kept secret in world football. He is one of the Russian oligarchs. He is involved in some capacity, and he's trying to protect himself. That being said, I'm glad that he did it because Chelsea Football Club is an institution to that neighborhood. They have a couple hundred employees that need to get paid that aren't Russian. You know what I mean? Strip him, make him sell it, do something, fine, great, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. But hurting <coughs> the staff in the back office, the ticket ladies, the stewards, the players, hurting them isn't helping anything else. Right. Right? Now, sport is often used as a, a form of soft power, right? Um, where... If you don't kind of get on board, UEFA has already stripped St. Petersburg, I think it was supposed to be St. Petersburg, of the Champions League final. Mm-hmm. It's now going to be played in Paris in May, um, which I think is bullshit. <laughs> I think that's another problem. This is obviously to suit PSG right? Uh, when it's PSG City in the final, but it right. doesn't matter. I digress. And you're also just trading one shithead for another shithead um, with their Middle Eastern ownership of... <laughs> Kind of nefarious background. Anyway, you can't. It's fine. It's that's a different problem for a different day. They have suspended all Russian teams from playing in UEFA competition, uh, and FIFA is allowing the athletes from Russia to play international fixtures, but they are not allowed to have their anthem played, display a flag, or wear the uniform of the Russian Federation. They are also playing under the name of the uh, Football Union of Russia. 
and they're not allowed to display a flag or use the anthem at all um, because there are playoffs and implications for the World Cup and everything else, and I get that. They have to protect their thing, uh, but it should be pretty simple to just say, fuck you, and they're not doing it, which is strange to me. Okay, so I'm going to assume that's also your parting words then, Mr. Graham? Um, no. <laughs> yeah, I guess it can be, sure. That's fine. Well, you were just kind of went on to another thing and I'm like okay well I guess that's his parting words well because we brought we I made fun of Millwall for being racist and mm. then it just kind of spiraled again yes it did but yeah typically happens with you it sometimes I got a lot going on up here <coughs> she has a lot going on here like in mm. front of her I got a lot going on here it's called gray matter there's nothing going on up there yeah and he's got a lot going on in his lungs <laughs> yeah <coughs> <coughs> fucking death that's what's going on well, here's one for the Patreons that no one else will get. You know why I have a lot going on up here? Why? I'm a man. Heard. Very good. <laughs> All right, boys and girls, that's going to wrap it up. Next up is injury time where we preview the, pre- preview the makeup and weekend's action. Um, should somebody want to find injury time, Sam, how do they go about doing it? Very easy to do so. It's patreon.com backslash do football show. Um, <laughs> and just sign up to that one beautiful $5 tier. It'd be really easy. Uh, and you can... Support the show, also the DU Drip Shack, <clears throat> and with that, uh, with that Patreon, I'm sorry, you'll also get you'll get Injury Time and Soundcheck, our two extra shows a week, uh, which is pretty cool, where we review our beers and talk about our weekends on a personal level, and also kind of gets a little weird sometimes. Yes, it does, but delightfully weird. Also, uh, boys and girls, you're getting a bonus show on Tuesday morning. We're about to uh, record our FA Cup fifth round preview for everybody as well. Can't wait. All right, till next week, everybody. Good night.